welcome to Created to Be, a podcast brought to you by A Little Light. A Little Light is a community for Canadian Christian women who want to use their passions, the creativity, and influence in a way that glorifies God. In the Created to Be podcast, you will hear from women in the community sharing their stories of their creative projects and how they are learning who God created them to be in all they do, online and offline. Now here's your host, Shauna Scaife. Hey there, welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Shauna, and today we are speaking with Kate from Craft a Community. I apologize, I cannot pronounce Kate's last name. There's just so many R's and I don't know which R's to say the most. I never asked you, Kate, sorry about that. So, Kate G from Craft a Community. The first portion of our interview, um, there's some fans going on. It sounds like we're in this wind tunnel situation, which is very real when you're podcasting, guys. There are great risks to podcasting. So I'm just going to fill you in. Kate is a stay-at-home mom. She's an Etsy shop owner. She's an honorary American part of A Little Light. She lives in Illinois. And Kate runs Craft a Community, which helps women build community using creativity. So we're very excited to speak with her because that is kind of a lot of the heart of A Little Light and Created to Be, exploring your creativity and using it to grow community. In this episode, we talk about finding friends, gritty hospitality, extending friendship, and doing those things that no one's asking you to do them, but you feel kind of that call, that weight on your heart to move forward with this big idea. I really had a great time interviewing Kate. I love what she is doing. I encourage you to stop by her Facebook page, Craft a Community, and check her out. Follow along. She has really great videos she's putting on there. They're just simple. It's her talking or her with a friend chatting about making friends when you're an introvert or teaching your kids how to make new friends. So stop by her Facebook page and you knew this was coming. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend. Please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps us grow our reach so that we can share these conversations with women who want to explore who they were created to be. So let's get to it. This episode starts a couple minutes into the conversation, but we've already filled in what you missed, wind tunnels, all that, and let's go. So before Craft a Community, did you have any other blogs you ran? No, actually, this is kind of my first um, my first attempt at something online. I originally was a teacher, actually. I taught high school and middle school. Um, And then just after about four years, really realized that I love teaching, but managing large groups of um, teens and preteens was not not my sweet spot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, I did, once my kids were born, I've done some freelancing, um, primarily working with uh, education, actually. And then um, the Etsy shop just started as sort of just a fun side hobby to make some extra money. Um, and then craft a community kind of um, evolved a little bit from from that. Um, I started doing some classes for uh, friends and just people in the area, teaching them how to work with clay, which is my medium. Oh. Um, and the idea was just like, just you know, get a little extra hustle going and um, have some people in my house. And and it ended up uh, each time that we would get together, um, you know, and they would pay me for the class and the supplies, but they really ended up talking a lot. <laughs> the women didn't know each other and they just really chatted a lot. And it was just this, like, sometimes I had to quiet them down to tell them the next step. <laughs> um, and I just started kind of thinking, like, you know, there might be something else. There might be something else here um, 
besides just this, you know, making a little bit of extra money on the side. So that's kind of where it started. Were you seeing them make new connections in the process of it? Yeah, I really, I was. And um, it's so funny, like at the, actually at the time I was kind of researching other potential business opportunities (laughs) with a friend. It was like, cause some completely different ideas that we had. So I really wasn't, um, I really wasn't focused on it. Like, you know, let's just make a little extra money. It's not a big deal. And um, the more that I just started to see how easy it was for them to talk um, as we were making things and just how kind of effortless it was, um, it really kind of made me think, I, I feel like there's a bigger um, application for this. <laughs> like we yeah. could do something else with this because my passion has always been connecting, um, connecting women, creating community, but I never really knew a way to express that. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, so really just after after I did a couple of those classes, I just started to think about um, like the things that I'm really good at and that I'm really passionate about and um, I, that they really kind of fit together, the idea of making things together and mm-hmm. also getting to know one another actually really work well. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's funny because my girlfriend's are planning a crafter noon tomorrow. Oh my gosh, I love that name. Yeah. <laughs> and I so. sent her your site a while ago and she was just like, yes, all of this, yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, great. And that's your site, so cool. it's got some kind of major themes. So there's creativity, there's community, but there's also kind of the precursors, which is hospitality and friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start with hospitality. Why does hospitality matter? Oh man, and I love I love this question um, because I, I really think that so much of you know when we look around the world, so much of the brokenness that we see is because people have separated themselves so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just you know I I would assume that, that you guys have at least a similar experience in Canada, but um, mm-hmm. just you know this idea that that people really see each other as different and other, and it's just this tendency to kind of go in our house and put up the walls. Um, and I think that that is what causes so much of, you know, so much of the pain and so much of the brokenness that we see. And I really see hospitality as just saying we're going to intentionally open the door and see people face to face and, you know, stop thinking about ideas and social media and arguing online, but actually get to know real people in real life. Um, and I think that's really so much of the key of what it takes to exist well together you know (laughs) um and i think too it's so much of the heart of um why jesus came is to invite people into what we're doing and to gather together and you know to have that um that unity and the beauty that comes when you can just really get to know one another Mm. and i love on your blog how you kind of dig a bit deeper with hospitality and talk about it being gritty and you tell a story about friends who had you over and everything was ready and it was a beautiful dinner versus friends who had you over and you were helping them put their barbecue together and in my mind your phrase check the chicken kind of friend stands out to me on what hospitality is really about how does oh. this approach of doing life together kind of help us embrace that embrace that real meaning of hospitality yeah I think um you know one of the things that I really see a lot is people have this idea that, you know, when you get together, it has to be like this staged, um, like a play, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like we have to follow this script of like, we do this and I do this. And it's just very, 
um, it's very scripted. And I think our the rest of our lives are not at all. Um, so anytime that we can like get rid of get rid of those rules in that script and just say like, what does everyday life look like? What are you What do you do all day? Why you know we don't have to be doing those things alone. Um, and I think all the opportunities that we have to just kind of um, say, you know what, these are like rules that you may have been taught. Let's let's do the opposite <laughs> and mm. kind of just um, just shake things up uh, and, you know, be able to actually spend the time that you go through your day with other people rather than, you know, rather than by yourself. Yeah, I think when you put those rules on it, you put limits on it, then you're limiting how people can get close to you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think like that's the um that's a way to really open up to people is through those little moments um that you experience to and you know, I just think about even even with your family, um that's part of the reason that you have so much closeness with your family is cuz you do all of those things together, you know, like all the stuff of running the household and who's going to do the dishes and, you know, who's getting the kids peanut butter and jelly and all of that stuff adds up to this intimacy. Um, and the more that we do that with, with other people that are outside our nuclear family, the, the faster that we can have that closest with them too. Mm-hmm. And when you phrase it like that, you can really see how it's necessary to nurturing friendships and relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I I appreciated reading how you make kind of a clear distinction on when people are looking for friendship and community, they might use the phrase, I want to find friends, I want to find community. But Mm -hmm. you make note that it's not something you find, it's something that you make. Mm -hmm. How should women be taking more responsibility and leadership to make friends and community? Um, I think... You know, I don't think we really um, talk about the process of what it does look like to make friends. Um, And I think that um, often we kind of just have this really passive approach. Like, I'm going to come upon um, this group of women or I'm going to have this experience of of meeting these people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that we're we're sort of just taught to wait for it. I think there's a lot of parallels to some of the ideas um, around love that I think are (laughs) false. (laughs) You know, like... Um, it's, it's not, um, you know, just taking that passive approach is not, uh, going to further what you're doing. Um, so I think really, um, the important thing is to be able to know that it's going to take this time, um, to get to know people and it's going to take this effort, um, and, and being able to take leadership and say, I'm going to invite this person over. I'm going to ask this person to, you know, attend this event with me. I'm going to text them. I'm going to call them. Mm -hmm. Um, even though you have to be the one that's first, um, just knowing that if you do take that action, the, the more time and the more interaction you have with them, the faster you are really going to get to know each other. And and I was reading again on your site, because everything you say is just me nodding yes to it. Oh, I'm so good. <laughs> You're so sweet. I love that you've read it. <laughs> so well, you talked about that you are someone who says hi, you make conversation, you extend friendship, even if it might not result in friendship. So what can happen mm-hmm. when we reach out and extend that friendship when it might not be mutual? Um, you know, I think a lot of times people make assumptions that it's not going to be mutual before they try. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure why that is. Um, but what I have noticed is I often when I make the first move, um, it might seem at first like it's not mutual, but then after I push a little bit, it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, so that um, one of the real benefits of just putting yourself out there and offering that 
you know, that greeting first, um, is just the chance to, to really make sure that, that someone else is not interested. Cause typically I find that they are, um, yeah. even though sometimes it might take a little bit more time. Um, it is very, very rare that I run into someone who's not just like really not interested in talking. Like I feel like, <laughs> um, we kind of have this assumption that we're going to be bothering people when we talk to them and when we're friendly and make small talk. And I'm not sure where that comes from because I don't know who dislikes someone being kind and friendly to them. (laughs) You know, like, I don't, I don't know why we feel so offensive (laughs) when Mm -hmm. they do it because, um, it's really, you know, I I can't imagine anyone who, who would be upset that you wanted to make waiting in the line a little more interesting or waiting for a preschool pickup, you know? Um, and and they must look at you and think, Oh, she's so brave. She's so outgoing. Yeah. (laughs) They do actually. And it's so funny because I sometimes I'm like, you know, this kind of goes back to your your point about leadership. I mean, I, I'm literally just being the first one to talk most mm-hmm. of the time. Um, and, and sometimes what people feel like is just this really incredible level of leadership. Once you start, it, it really isn't. I mean, you know, chatting with somebody um, if you once you do it a couple of times, it's it's not as hard. <laughs> you can. <laughs> You can do it for sure. So do you have any tips for making small talk with someone new? Oh, yeah. I um, I really like uh, a couple different questions, and I did some Facebook Lives about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to first just ask people just about whatever's happening, where you are, um, just kind of connect over whether you're waiting or, you know, participating in something. Just kind of talk about how you got there and how you're feeling. <laughs> you know, like, oh, so this is a really long line, you know. <laughs> that is often made an afternoon really fun to start that way. Um, But then just to ask questions, just ask people questions about themselves and um, really listen to the answers and think about uh, what you're listening for. So one of my favorites is where do you live, especially if you run into someone, Um, because wherever, uh, wherever location they are, you can kind of sense how much they're in your everyday circle and where you guys are going to cross paths. Because the more you see somebody, the easier it is to connect. So if I see someone, um, you know, at preschool pickup and we find that they live a couple streets down from me, then, you know, some natural follow-ups are like, oh, you know, you guys, do you guys do this dance class at the park district or do you ever go to, you know, this library story time and mm-hmm. just kind of opens up some more doors to connect. Um, and then I just like to ask people, um, you know, things like where, where are you from and, um, you know, if they're if they're home, you know, what, are you home most of the day or, you know, do you work full time? And just really being curious about people is a great way to get started and just really listen to Mm -hmm. the answers that they're giving. I think it's really important too. Yeah. Just being a good listener can go a long way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I was not a very good friend for most of my life. And the friends that I did have that were women were there because I saw them every day. They were in college. They were in my space. And it wasn't yeah. until I became a mom that I realized I never really invested in female friendships. Mm. And then I had a friend who invested in me, who was persistent in making yeah. making a friend out of me. And ever since then, it's just that female friendship, that kind of mom bestie, that just mm. becomes my a second part of me. And I know yeah. that you have a similar story. How did you view friendship before and after motherhood? 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's such a transforming time of life. I feel like it changes so many things. <laughs> but um, I think beforehand, I was always very self-conscious um, about how I was different than other women and how they were perceiving me and how I was perceiving them and um, just a lot of critique. Um, and I really, you know, I felt like uh, after my daughter was born, I had this experience. We went to this pretty small church and there was a mom there who was actually, she was a teen mom and I was, um, not an older mom, but I mean, I was almost 30 when my daughter was born. So Mm -hmm. not super young. And she was very young. And, um, we started talking, you know, our daughters were about the same age and she started, you know, she was like, Oh, did you try this pacifier? Or, you know, I was like, Oh my gosh, I tried this carrier and it doesn't work. And she hadn't been someone that I felt I, you know, I had decided that I didn't have a lot in common with her in the past. And we just started, as we started talking about our kids, I just had this like epiphany of, you know, we're in the exact same spot here. You know, I have all these years and all this education and all this work experience, but like my baby doesn't sleep good. And so we are in the exact same spot. (laughs) Like it's just, there's really no difference here. And I think, um, for me, uh, you know, motherhood was just something that I was not really expecting how difficult it was going to be. And I needed to just have other people that could say me too. Like it was, um, you know, all the things that you're like, oh, they slept this long and, you know, they ate this much. And then she made this weird sound when she was falling asleep. And it was just like, I had to have other people who were in that same spot as me. And it just like, came pouring out <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like oxygen like you I just I have to talk to you and you know I don't really care any other things about you like we are of the same people <laughs> we're yes. both doing this I think it felt in a lot of ways like like a boot camp or like some kind of intense training like you're gonna bond because you're just going through the same thing and I think after mm-hmm. that I never I never really got back to the critique I really looked more for what we had in common Um, so when I would meet people, I would just, you know, rather than saying like, oh, well, this is different. This is different. I would say, this is the same, (laughs) you know, or, you know, we both have this that we share. Let's learn about the other things that we share. And also I think, um, my particular experience, I was, uh, I did some freelance, um, but I was home a lot of the time with my daughter and I am somebody who needs to talk to adults, you know, (laughs) throughout the day. (laughs) So, um, I just, it was so valuable even to have some friends that we just kind of chit chatted with that meant so much during the day to, to break it up. Um, and that just really kind of shifted the whole way that I looked at how I, you know, how I viewed these women and how I valued them. Yeah. Motherhood can be so isolating. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. We do need each other. So mm-hmm. there's some women who say things like I get along better with men or women are just too much drama or they're too hard mm-hmm. to relate to. What do you think someone is missing out by having that mindset? I think, you know, it's, I think it's a lot of that. Um, you know, we just, as, as humans, we crave somebody to just listen and to say me too. Um, and I think there's so much about being a woman that, um, men can empathize with and they can, you know, for sure encourage and appreciate, but, you know, to have somebody be like, can you look how red my boob is? Like, do you think I have mastitis? (laughs) (laughs) There's just this kind of process, you know, like being a woman that it's like, 
it's very physical and it's very visceral yeah. and it, you need other people to talk mm-hmm. about that with. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and it, I think a lot of it does come when you, you know, when you're pregnant and you, and you have kids, but you know, even if that's not your particular experience, I think it's still true. I mean, the, you know, like the sex conversations, Yes. <laughs> you know, and how, you know, how are we balancing taking care of our family and still staying ourselves? You know, that's something that I, I feel like, other moms um, and other women can really, you know, they, they know, you know, they can feel that with us. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I think, I definitely think male friendships are, are valuable for sure. But I think that's something that's not to be missed is people, you know, that, that can go there with you. And I think too, like, um, I absolutely, I get it. Like stereotypes exist for a reason, like they start mm-hmm. somewhere. So like, yeah, it's if true. you, you know, if you're, if you're a woman who feels frustrated with that, you know, the drama or the passive aggressive or, you know, like, um, communication, that's not great. I would say, you know, maybe it's time to just kind of look around and really step into your power as a woman who is good at those things and create, create a culture around you. You know, if you're not seeing that we need women who, are good communicators and who are clear and who are, um, you know, have those qualities that, you know, those are not specifically masculine qualities at all. And if that is you, then, um, you need to, you need to be modeling it (laughs) and create that for women around you. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes people are burned. They are, or they don't learn from day one, the proper Mm -hmm. female friendships. And if, if you see the flaws, you are in a position to correct them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And, and just even in the way that you, um, the culture, yeah, the culture that you create with your friends, you know, you can set the tone of this is how it's going to be with us. Mm-hmm. So if I think of making friends, um, in a way they form a community of people and a community of friends can sometimes feel like a clique. It can sometimes feel exclusive. So how mm-hmm. can we keep our communities as an open door to others? Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so good. Cause I think there's nothing more, um, there's nothing more painful than that feeling of, you know, not quite making it or, mm-hmm. you know, being excluded. Um, and I think one thing, just like a super practical, um, the thing is, you know, what you t- typically I would say communities kind of organize around, um, some sort of central activity or some kind of central event. And I think, um, keeping, uh, events to kind of a seasonal calendar can help um, keep the door open. So let's say you have like a book club or a mom's group or, you know, some kind of coffee discussion, um, you know, that kind of branches out into a larger community. Um, working on like, you know, we're going to, for this school year, we're going to um, have this topic or this book. And then next year we'll open it up again and just mm-hmm. kind of leave room for people to you know, to come in, but also to go, you know, because relationships and, and um, friendships do often have seasons. And I think we have to, it's important for us to normalize that too, um, you know, to be able to say, I spent this time with you and it was wonderful and I loved it, but, you know, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, it's time for me to move to something else and let someone come in. So I think keeping those, practically those doors kind of fluid, um, can be really helpful so you don't turn into like a closed group, which I think is really, it's mm-hmm. tough. That's a tough, a tough situation. Yeah. You never want to be that group of people, but yeah, can- <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. So your whole focus is on building community through a gathering that includes an art or craft component. Can you tell me what happens at these events? What are they like? 
Yeah, so um, my my um, vision is to really have uh, a commitment through like a nine month period of time, so like a school year. So you join up um, in this in a in a craft group uh, for about a nine month time, and each time we have um, some time to uh, have some you know kind of uh, small talk icebreaker time, and I really kind of um, envision that as not being like. Uh, quite, you know, not, not too fluffy, but things, you know, kind of like those small talk questions that I talked about, where are you from? How did you meet your husband? Um, give people a launch pad to get started talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do have a, a craft activity. And then, um, for the earlier meetings, when you're first getting to know one another, that time is just, um, very light, you know, you're, you're chit chatting, you're working on your craft together. You're just getting comfortable with each other. And then as the year goes on, after, you know, you've met for three or four months, um, there'll be some questions that you can throw out, uh, like around the holidays. One of the questions we're going to talk about is, you know, how is, um, how, how is the holiday season feeling for you so far? Mm-hmm. Um, and give people a chance to really open up and be vulnerable if they would like, um, or, you know, if they're not quite ready, they can just kind of chat a little bit and that's, and that's fine. Um, so that's kind of the flow of the events. And then the idea is that that night is really a springboard for people to reach out to each other. So, um, I challenge the, the groups to, um, throughout the weeks between the craft night, um, to reach out to each other and text each other, say hi, set up times where you're going to hang out. Cause, um, each one of those times that they connect really solidifies the friendship. Yeah, and I guess they all know that the premise of this event is to connect and to craft. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, that, I think that that's helped a lot getting that out there at the beginning because you really know everyone's invested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. You know, it's not a it's not a class. It's not. Um, it's you know, like it's not a pottery night. Like it's it's a, a longer term commitment, so you can invest in the relationships too. So when you were talking about the questions for icebreakers, I'm wondering, do you present that to everybody? Like, okay, everybody, here's our question. I do, actually. (laughs) I do, yeah. So it's kind of a blend of organic and a little bit formal. Um, It's kind of, uh, I don't, you know, if... if, if you've ever been part or, you know, your listeners have been part of any kind of book club or Bible study, um, you know, there's typically some component that's a little bit more formal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that has not felt, that's felt very, very kind of natural. Um, and then after we spend, you know, just a couple minutes chatting about that, then we move into the craft and it's a nice kind of segue. And then from yeah. there, it's pretty, it's pretty open. Yeah. Sometimes it takes the pressure off too. When it's yeah. Like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> So how does this having a common goal make this building community more accessible? Oh, you know, and this is something I've really like just been discovering. Um, I did not make it up. I feel like I just kind of stumbled upon it. But um, I think so many things um, work better when you're actually doing something else at the same time. (laughs) So, uh, so like, you know, if you're having, um, I think one of the examples I think about uh, is I used to work at a coffee shop and in college it was, I always felt like it was tough to make friends because I was so self-conscious when we were just talking together because it's, you're, you're literally like hanging out for the purpose of making friends, just like looking at each other. Yeah. <laughs> There's just a lot of focus on everything. Um, but at work, we're like making espresso at the same time. So the focus is on that. And mm-hmm. then the connecting and chatting sort of happens along the way. 
Um, and I think that that is uh, really powerful and really can apply to a lot of other things. You know, you can, um, I know I've had moms, older moms tell me, you know, like with their preteen kids, you know, like if you're, if you're making pizza together or you're driving in the car, Mm -hmm. the conversation is going to flow more because it's not so, they don't feel so on the spot. Um, so yeah, so having like, just literally having something to do with your hands, um, just really helps people relax. Uh, and it, it just, uh, it gives kind of a natural in and out to the conversation. So people will talk and then sometimes they'll just concentrate on what they're doing and it doesn't, um, you don't feel like you're so on stage. (laughs) Yeah. And how do you encourage people who feel like they're not artsy enough to come to an, to a a community? Uh, yeah, I, you know, my, my background is in education. So I really, I really do work hard to make, um, the activity something that's truly, appropriate for any skill level. So whatever the craft is, there will always be an entry point that you can just follow kind of step by step and mimic whatever the model is. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's something that really anybody can do. Uh, And then if you are somebody who's more comfortable, you can take some license with it and change up whatever you'd like. But I always make sure that there's an entry, um, an entry level that really I mean, if you can, if you can move your hands, what are the big changes you see from month one to month nine in the atmosphere of community? Yeah. You know, um, so much happens in that time, uh, with people. I, I think I've never been a part of a group, you know, here or otherwise, um, that lasts a school year where someone doesn't have some sort of serious illness in their family or, um, lose, you know, has a loss or some kind of celebration, you know, they, they get a new job or a promotion. Um, so just all along the way, as you start to witness those things together and walk through those things together, that really cements, um, the relationships. Um, and I think, you know, at the beginning, everything is very surfacey and that's kind of, um, it's kind of necessary. You need a little bit of that time where you can, you can kind of feel your way. And I've been in groups where, um, not not crafted community groups, but you know other you know mom type groups that we we really tried to push to get too deep too quickly, and it was really weird. <laughs> like, it was just really odd. Like there were great deep questions, but people had just met one another, and it was just very mm-hmm. strange. It can be jarring, so, yeah. Yes, it was. It was, and people were, were very gracious. But looking back. Um, you really do that. You do need that warm up time at the beginning and then kind of a flow towards, okay, now we have an opportunity to, you know, to just talk more about what's actually going on in our lives. Mm-hmm. How often were you guys meeting? Um, so we do, we do a once a month craft night and then um, we set up like a, uh, just a hangout every two weeks. So we'll oh. like a movie or go get margaritas or, you know, something that's just kind of fun. Um, and then I, um, really encourage everybody to hang out on their own. So that's just sort of an ongoing challenge to set that stuff up. So the group as a whole, um, is, is supposed, <coughs> excuse me, is supposed to uh, meet about twice a month. And is there a max number that you try to keep it under? Um, mine, mine right now, um, is very large. We have like 13, oh. um, so the reason I liked it, I wanted it to be a little bit bigger is you tend to have about three or four at least who can't make it on any given night because of illness or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. especially since a lot of us are moms and, you know, we have little kids yeah. that stuff comes up. <laughs> um, so I think really not any bigger than that for sure. 
Um, but I think a really a great number would probably be about six to eight. Um, so then when you have nights where lots of people are down or um, not able to make it, you still have a good handful uh, you know, to meet together. So how are you delivering this model to other women who want to start a craft community? So it's actually, um, it's almost available <laughs> starting uh, in January to um, what I'm, what I'm planning on doing is having um, a digital, you know, like a virtual um, tutorial product for the craft um, and supply list that comes every month and is, you know, delivered through email. Um, and then I'm also uh, going to have a lot of support for leaders um, through a Facebook group and then through live calls mm-hmm. um, to really talk through some of what's, you know, actually going on, questions, concerns, and they can have some support from each other. So, um, the actual curriculum will just be a virtual product, and then we'll be doing a lot of the um, support and, and talking through, um, you know, online through probably mostly through Facebook. Do you feel that this role you're in now is kind of a sum of everything you've ever been interested? I hear all of your teaching I, experience <laughs> come in. <laughs> yeah, it really, you know, um, I, I hope I hope it is. <laughs> I, it, it really has seemed so far. Um, and I really do, you know, for a long time, I, I kind of was looking in lots of different directions to see where I wanted to go next. And I've, I've always kind of discounted the creative and making side. Um, you know, it's just, oh, that's fine for the time, but I probably won't pursue it. But this has been a really cool opportunity to bring that in as well, because it's that is really something that I've had, you know, my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is it is really neat to be able to bring that into so these days we're, we have a big focus on building community around our brands, our businesses online. Mm, yeah. yep. How do you think this weakens or strengthens what the meeting of community should be? Oh, I think, um, I think it's muddied it a little bit um, because I definitely, you know, um, I, I have, I have a great uh, base for real life community. Um, with the moms that stay home in my area. But, um, and that, that's kind of my primary, um, my primary spot for, you know, the people that I really walk through everyday life with. But I really, you know, as I've started on this venture, um, I really thought, you know, I need to talk to people who are also trying to start businesses and, (laughs) you know, uh, like women who are trying to balance these things. And a lot of the people that I, um, and, you know, love dearly, a lot of the women around me are just not, that's not what they're interested in. So I really, for that piece, I really found the online community to be really helpful because that's like one particular part of my life that I, I really would like to have some community around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think um, I really am, am passionate about the idea that it has, to, it's got to happen in real life. And I think, um, I think an important component is taking the, the community that we have with our brands and then translating that to how are you going to interact with real faces um, that live near you, yep. <laughs> you know, with, this, with this mission, with this goal? You know, how are we going to come back to sort of like the real faces that live in our neighborhood? Yeah, I really, I really am so into this because it is a true blending of social media and real life. Community. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, and I think too. Um, uh, you know, I, what I'm what I'm picturing that you know, women that will kind of gravitate to this idea. They're they're probably um, a little bit more brave potentially mm-hmm. than some of the the women around them. You know, willing to say, I'm I'm going to try this. I'm going to go first. 
Um, so they, I, I would envision that they're going to have um, tremendous relationships with the women in their groups, but there's still a component where you want to say, you know, somebody just confided something huge to me today. Like, what do I do? <laughs> you know, or, yeah. or nobody showed up last week. You know, what, what, what do you think I should try? Um, you know, so that's some, that's something that I think we really need support with too. Yeah. And, and you're also touching on that point that this isn't easy. You don't just start a group and people are suddenly connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it's a process. Like that's, um, that's really what uh, I think it can be a simple process, but it is a process. Um, and it's, you do have to have a lot of trust, you know, from the beginning that it's, it's, it's going to get there. So as you had this idea, I'm going to have a little side business. I'm a mom. How has this journey been for you? Have you struggled through any doubts or fears along the way? Oh yeah, that's such a great question. And I'm like struggling actually to just articulate it to people in my life. (laughs) But, um, I think when you have a real passion and you really want to use your voice, um, it is much scarier than I thought that it would be. Um, to, to stand up and say, I have something to say is like, it's very scary. And I think, um, for me, typically I'm, I am used to applying for jobs or being asked to fill a volunteer role. And, um, I was trying to explain to my husband, like, no one has asked me to do this. (laughs) I've decided (laughs) that that this is a need and I'm going to do it. So, um, that's been really difficult to just, you know, keep coming back to that. Um, because promoting yourself and putting yourself out there, uh, particularly in, you know, in a, in a, um, you know, a way to say, I have like these ideas and these passions, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just really scary. It's very vulnerable in a way that I didn't, I didn't expect. Um, and I, you know, I've done the Etsy thing and I make cute stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. for kids and, um, there's really nothing threatening about that. (laughs) Like everyone likes to like pictures of cute stuff on Facebook. Mm. But when I actually um, am like using my voice, um, it's, it's much, you know, it's much easier to be, you know, to say, well, what are, what are people thinking? And do they agree? And are they going to think this about me? And so that's something that I've had to really pray about and really just keep coming back to, you know, I have to focus on what I feel like I'm being led to do and, and not be so worried about, how it's being received. Do you think you've learned anything new along the way about who God created you specifically to be? I, you know, I, I think so. Um, I think that I, uh, it's, it's really important for me to not be so dependent. You know, I'm some, and I think this is not uncommon for women, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm somebody who really likes a lot of, uh, feedback and a lot of affirmation. And, um, I love bosses who pour into me and, you know, are just very invested and kind of, um, you know, I can be like, how did I do? How did I do? (laughs) Uh, and I think this experience, um, I don't have that. And I really needed to kind of, um, just lean into God more for that, you know, to say, I don't, I don't have anybody else to check in with, (laughs) you know? Um, but I think in some ways it's been a very, um, a very fulfilling, you know, type of role to be able to, you know, for the first time really do my own thing. Yeah. And I think that's called finding your voice. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so I, I did throw a little question at you earlier. I asked you about the Enneagram. Are you familiar with the Enneagram? 
Oh, yes. I'm very obsessed. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. This is why I like you. you. <laughs> I don't, have you read the new book, The Road Back to You? Yes. And he has a great podcast, too. Yes. I yeah. love their podcast yeah. as well. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I know. I think I've heard all of their episodes and I love the book. Everyone I know has bought the book now. because. <laughs> so what Enneagram type are you? So I am a two with a very strong three wing. Oh, okay. Um, and I've spent a lot of time kind of going back and forth, like, could I be a three? But I mm-hmm. think, um, you know, primarily what what gets me going and, you know, what really lights me up is the togetherness and the community and the connection mm-hmm. um, and, you know, having that intimacy with other people. But I do still have a strong sense of um, I do want to accomplish and I do want to lead and I do want to kind of push forward. So it's really an interesting combination of those two. Okay, so for those who are listening, a two yes, is, is a helper. <laughs> no, it, I speak Enneagram too, so it's all yeah. good. I know what you mean. Yeah. The two is the helper and the three is the performer. And when they're side by side like that, you pick up qualities of one another. And I was pegging you more for a nine, but I could definitely see the two in you kind of that oh, warm, really? loving, so... helpful side. Yeah, yeah, thank you. My husband actually is a nine, and he... Um, he is really, I mean, we've been, we've known each other forever and we've been married a long time. So he's really taught me the value of just that kind of like being present and, mm. uh, you know, simplifying and, you know, just kind of being in the moment and creating. And um, so that's, that's so interesting. I love that. It's so beautiful to know your spouse's Enneagram type. You just learn so much about them, hey? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so valuable. <laughs> Well, I know you're in a different time zone than me, so we're going to wrap this up. I have a couple fun questions for you. Yeah. So my first one is, what's your favorite way to keep in contact with your friends on the daily? Um, you know, we do a lot of uh, kind of like regular rhythms, um, which really help to keep things consistent. So I have um, a couple of friends that we do every Thursday. We get together, and it doesn't oh, okay. end up actually being every Thursday, um, but it that kind of provides that like consistent touch point um to come back to uh and then I do a lot of texting you know I think with little kids it's really very very difficult to be on the computer or be on the phone but you can for some reason you can sometimes slip the texts in there so. you can just text throughout the day there's no pressure yeah. to get back to it yep. yeah yep, exactly <laughs> so what's a strange family tradition you guys have um so we I don't know you know our family our kids are still little so we haven't we're like still working on our traditions but um I was thinking about for the holidays you know what we're going to be doing and my family growing up um I come from a really big family and they my parents decided when we were little um that they were we weren't going to they weren't going to sort of do the whole Santa tradition you know as most people do it but we instead we had um and at Christmas morning, we would all go in the bedroom, and my dad would pretend that um, Santa was late and came to the door, and he would talk to him. <laughs> so it started out as this, like, cute, fun thing when we were little, and then as we all got older, it, like, became this roast. <laughs> like, Santa would ask about, like, this one's girlfriend and why she dumped him. and like, <laughs> Oh, no. It got to be this, like, really silly and kind of crazy uh like funny thing <laughs> so was there someone else at the door no, no no he just did both voices wow so we like yeah and when we were little like we I think you know we knew it was him but it was still like really fun and kind of special and you know kind of magical but then as we all got to be teenagers that just got to be this like really funny like he he said he would write notes throughout the oh, year yeah. 
like, what to use with when you talk to Santa. Oh, that is genius. What a cool yeah. tradition. It was fun. It was really fun. So we're trying out my husband and I. He's like, I'm not going to do that. Oh. So <laughs> we have to think of some other. Put a spin on it for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> do, you, do your girls know about Santa? We we have we are just approaching it that we're gonna um, kind of play it like pretend. Mm-hmm. It's such an interesting issue in the U.S. and we're still kind of experimenting with you know like what the holiday means for us and what it's gonna look like for our family. Um, but they love to they love to play and they love mm-hmm. to pretend. So we're we're gonna try that and see how it goes. Yeah, it's not not really something you think about until you have kids that start asking about Santa. Yes. Oh my gosh. And my daughter, like she's four and a half and she's very, very intense. And she asks, you know, she's asking me about like heaven and God and, you know, all this stuff. And then she's like, is Santa really real? And I was like, well, (laughs) I couldn't go from one to the next. Like, well, we, we pretend that he is. Oh, so deep we'll thinker, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little, like, I don't know how it's going to go at kindergarten. We talk about, you know, that this is the thing that we're not going to talk about with the other kids. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah, you don't want your kid to be the one that yes, reveals the one that it. I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I like that you talked about having um, these rhythms with your friends, like date night almost. Yeah, yep. We were having one for a while called Cake Night, where my friend Ray... Um, she started a little light with me. She would make this delicious cake and just we'd all gather around her table and eat it. So it oh, makes yeah. me ask you, what is your favorite dessert? Oh, anything um, anything that's like really chocolatey, like oh, a yeah. brownie, like a brownie and ice cream is probably like my favorite thing. My husband and I used to get the pints of um, Ben and Jerry's. I don't know if you guys have that. You. you know, I don't know either. <laughs> okay, it's like, well, it's a pint. It's like a full pint of ice cream. And there's like cookie dough and brownie and stuff in it. And we would eat the whole thing. It was like each, like we'd get one each. <laughs> oh, right on. <laughs> Very gross. Yeah. <laughs> but also really awesome, yeah. <laughs> it was really awesome. Yeah. And I yeah. was nursing like my first daughter. So we were, we just downed those. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, right on. Well, thank you so much for your time tonight. And thank you for what you're doing. It's really inspiring. I'm excited to follow you. And um, I I hope it grows for you because the influence and the changes you can make are really positive and meaningful. And I think they're needed for so many women. Oh, thank you so much, Donna. This was really great. And I'm so excited to listen to the podcast as you guys are rolling it out. Yeah, that sounds great.